Well, I was wondering what the next song was going to be. It's like, man, this has got to keep going. We need to keep worshiping today. We need to just be in touch with whatever God is going to do in our lives. And that's what we want to do. Well, I want to welcome you here. Welcome to uh, uh, Easter 2021. You know, a year ago, we were not in this building for Easter. I was trying to do the math on it. And a year ago, we were in my living room, but you weren't there. Um, We just did the recording on Wednesday and showed it and did the, the music and stuff. And look where the Lord has brought us to today. On Easter Sunday morning, we get to be here um, just as equally busy in the first uh, service. Uh, Welcome to um, the the land of the lilies. I just cannot thank the uh, staff enough. Of course, they have to do it or else they'll have to clean bathrooms, but they did bring me lilies. I asked them to bring me lilies. Easter has to have lilies. It's been a crazy busy week. Um, Not anything compared to what our Lord went through, but um, yes, we did get to go do an outreach and, and it's it's tough because our outreaches we used to like to you know like do things for people um, but we can't because of you know the restrictions that are on various people so we're continuing to look for creative ways to do that and one of them was we got to go to Clark Moore and we got to uh, interact with the teachers and and the staff there and the custodian and all the people and just give them all just a wonderful dinner and say man stay at it it has to have been hard for you I get that on this side you've got the government and on this side you got little children, and then you got parents raining down on you, okay? Listen, summer's coming. If you're a teacher, I just want to encourage you, summer's coming, okay? It's, it's uh, April, but summer's coming. Um, we can do that. But you may or may not know, we also got to help a man that's trying to get back on his feet, and I only share those things with you. I'm not trying to brag. I just want you to know that, that you as a church are still reaching into this community. You are still making a difference, even if you're not in the building. You're still giving, you're still praying, you're still crying out, you're still doing things that allow us to get into the community and tell people that Jesus loves them. And we had a great time, two or three of us did yesterday, um, praying with a man as he uh, is trying to get his son back and trying to get his life together. And it's like, yes, that's what we want to be a part of. That's what's going on. And so that's great. So I want to welcome you here to the land of the lilies. Welcome to Easter 2021. Welcome um, out of the fear of the darkness and into the light of fellowship with people. And welcome to those again that are watching online. Today is the 28th time that I will have shared. I think it's the 28th time that I will have shared the Easter story um, as a pastor. Um, Not that, you know, I'm just 28 years old. I may look that way to you, but I'm really not. I'm 60. Um, But no, I'm, I'm just saying, this is the 28th time my wife reminded me she said this is number 28 and I said what she said the 28th time you shared the Easter story um, in front of a church and it's like you may not know it but there's always times when we're like okay now how am I going to share this story all over again and make it you know alive and living and it's like Jesus died well part of what we're doing today is remembering and that's important it's, it's, it's critically important that we remember. It really is. That this is what Jesus did, and this is where it's all founded. It's, it, you know, it starts on Wednesday. Uh, we'll get there in a minute. It starts on Wednesday when he was crucified, and, you know, we celebrate Sunday morning when he rose from the dead. And how exciting, how exciting is this? And so we're going to be a, a, a part of that. But I want to look at somebody's story today because we are actually, at the same time, launching a new sermon series called Do You Believe? 
okay? And so we want to look into that. So I want to take you to John chapter 20. If you've got one of these things, you can open it up. If you've got one of those things in your hand, you can go to it. Or, as always, it will show up on the screen. And just for the record, it, it, it's not evil if you show up and count on the fact that it's going to show up on the screen. That's not bad. That doesn't mean you're somehow less holy. I, I just like having this thing in my, my physical hand, okay? So I'm going to, I'm going to share with you. So John uh, chapter 20. And this is after the crucifixion, and this is, the, this is the, the beginning. This is the day of Easter. This is Sunday evening. On the evening of the first day of the week, that's how I knew it was Sunday evening, oh, by the way, because it says on the evening of the first day of the week, and the first day of the week is Sunday um, on the calendar. So on, on the first evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, they were scared to death, they saw what happened to Jesus, they ran home, went up into the room. They didn't run home. They ran back to where they were, went up into the room, shut the doors, and bolted them for fear that what happened to Jesus would happen to them. And that's what's going on, okay? So they're inside. And while they're there, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed that they had seen the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. And he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the same house again, and Thomas was there with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus, the doors are still locked. They're still living in fear. The doors are still locked. They're, they're, they're still nervous about this whole thing, okay? It says, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was there with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That, that, that phrase, I'm going to say it again, is important. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe and that Jesus Christ, excuse me, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by, by believing you may have life in his name. And that's why I like the book of John. The book of John was one of the first books that I studied um, when I went to Bible college. And the whole point of John writing this book was to let you and I know what the truth was because he was there. John... Matthew and Mark literally walked with Jesus. All they said was, you can say what you want, but this is what we experienced. We saw it happen. You can doubt it if you'd like to. It doesn't change the truth. This is it. And so they share it with us. But you know what? The most powerful part of the Easter story is not what we consider the passion of the Christ, him hanging on a cross and dying for our sins, believe it or not. And we'll share this in multiple, multiple times during this message. 
We think about what Jesus went through. We think about six hours on the cross. We think about beaten, according to the scripture, book of Isaiah, beyond the image of a man. We think about him dragging his cross through town up to the hill Golgotha. We think about um, um, Simon having to carry the, the cross the rest of the way. We think about um, Joseph of Arimathea coming and burying him. We think about people seeing him on the cross. We think about him being humiliated. We think about blood just falling out of his physical body. But that is not, believe it or or not the biggest part of the, the, the um, passion of the Christ. Believe it or not, according to the disciples, that's not what they were amazed at. And that's important to you or I. Is it important that Jesus died for us? Absolutely. Our sins needed to be paid for, and it was going to take a perfect lamb to do it, and there wasn't one born yet until God came in the form of a human being and lived in his humanity and then was beaten and died in his humanity to be raised to his glory. And then our sins are paid for. But the, the story, the power of Easter is in the fact that God raised him from the dead. There is no other religion on the earth where they might be following the teachings of somebody that a God had raised from the dead. They count all of these other religious leaders that started religious movements through the centuries dead and they know where their tombs are. We roughly know approximately where Jesus' tomb was, but we also recognize that it was borrowed and it was empty. That is the amazing part of the story of Christianity because it means that what you're experiencing right now is not the end of the end. We're here for a short time. God raised him from the dead and this resurrection is what we celebrate today. It's kind of such a ridiculous idea to be honest with you. It's so ridiculous the idea of saying that Thomas had seen all this that he said, I refuse to believe it. Thomas was out and about. He was down at the Walmart getting some things. I don't know what he was doing. It wasn't a Walmart if, 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 you don't, if you're not familiar with the story. There was no Walmart back then. Okay, Some of you go home and say, well, Pastor Joe said there was a Walmart. You know, how did they do that? No, no, there was no Walmart. I'm just telling you, Thomas was out. He wasn't with the disciples. And so then he came back in and Jesus shows up again. But the point was, when they said, Thomas, we have literally seen him. He said, no. No, you haven't. I don't believe it. If I can't see it, if I can't put my finger in it, if I can't put my hand in it, I'm not buying it. Man, we live in that same world today, ladies and gentlemen. I've got people that come to this church that are in that same place. That if you can't figure out how God did it, then God couldn't have done it. Are you really that big? That you and God have the same mind and you, you, if you can't figure it out, then it did not happen. I broke a little person's heart today when I said, no, listen, I love you, but that's not true. It, it's not both and when it comes to where we came from. Okay, we did not come from monkeys that God created and therefore it's both and. It's like, no, we were created intentionally, specifically as children of God. Monkeys were created as monkeys. But at some point, you just have to stop and say, I'm going to choose to believe. I will begin to say, because Thomas is like, nah, 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 nah. You guys, uh, you know, one guy, right? One guy. All 11, you, you're all wrong. You're all wrong. No, no, no. How many times do you see people do that? All the evidence says that this is the actual truth. And then over here, somebody's going, no, 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 no. I know better. No, no, 
No. Well, listen, we've seen that for a year. Come on. I don't care which side of the aisle you're on. You've seen it for a year. No, no, no. Well, that's what... what Can you imagine Thomas looking 11 disciples, well, 10 disciples in the eye and going, you're not a credible source. (laughs) They are a credible source. They were there. Some of them were closer to Jesus than Thomas was. The one writing the book, John, he was the one most loved by, by Jesus. If you don't believe me, read the book of John because it says in the book of John, John, the one most loved by Jesus. Oh my word, what an ego this guy's got. Jesus' favorite, the one that Jesus loved. I'm not making this up. John says that about John in the book of John. Okay, it's how he identifies himself as the one that Jesus loved. We know that it also means the one that Jesus laid back on at the Last Supper. But still, John, John was there. And so we have this story of, of, uh, uh, of Thomas being there and showing up. And, and he was following Jesus and he loved Jesus and he wanted to follow Jesus. But there was still that idea that Jesus was going to set up a, a physical kingdom. He was going to push the, the Romans back to Italy and he was going to set up his kingdom. And he was going to take charge. And James and John were you know, arguing about who got to sit on his left and right and things like that. And so there was no doubt, there's no reason for us to doubt that Thomas wasn't thinking the same thing. That Thomas wasn't thinking, hey, listen, you know, where's the kingdom? Where's it going to come? Look, he's dead. I followed him for three and a half years. He said there's going to be a new kingdom, you know, and now he's dead. What are we going to do now? And everybody's locked in the upper room, okay? They're locked together, and that's how you knew this was not what they expected was actually going to happen. They thought Jesus was going to take over, and Thomas is like, no, no, no. I refuse to believe it. It's not going to happen. Thomas made a choice. That's the truth. Thomas made a choice just like you and I do. Thomas was dejected. They had big ideas about what was going to happen. Fear was hanging in the air. And you have to decide what you're going to believe. Do you believe that God created the heavens and the earth and man? Do you believe that man sinned against God, rebelled, and brought the curse into our lives? Do you believe that God planned a way to bring you and I back through, to the family through Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus paid for your sin 2,000 years ago and it's over, it's done, it's finished? Do you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead on Sunday morning 2,000 years ago? All of this is true and you know what? None of it requires you to believe. Whether you believe or not, it is still true. And you can say, no, 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 like Thomas did and say, nope, if I can't figure out how God got Jesus, that stone rolled, Jesus out of the tomb, back to life, then it couldn't have happened. Listen, we are not as smart as God. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts, God said. So where do we come across going, well, unless you can tell me exactly how Jesus did it, because I don't see how he can do it. Really? That's where we're going to go. That's how we're going to do it? That unless it happens this way, that's not going to happen? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, all of this is true and I have chosen to believe it. Nobody sold it to me. I studied it for myself. I learned it. I interacted with God and I'm back to where I was meant to be. Created by God and in a close personal relationship with him. But there's something that we've got to decide just like Thomas. Man, we're here for Easter and we're jumping up and down and we're celebrating, but we need to understand a couple things. And the first thing we need to understand is that belief is a choice. Belief is a choice. You have to choose to believe. You you ever heard somebody say, I'm sorry, I, I can't believe that. You ever heard somebody say that? That's an oxymoron. Belief is a choice. 
You have to decide whether or not you're going to believe it. What you're saying is, ah, I, can't, my, I can't wrap my, my mind around how that happened, so I choose not to believe it. But the fact of the matter is you have to actually choose. You have to say, I'm going to choose to believe. Here's a guy that was following Jesus. Here's a guy that was following the king. Here's a guy that was following a teacher like nobody else he's ever seen. Here is somebody that was following a teacher that was so good, he could take 613 commandments and break it all the way down to stories and make it make sense to people. That's Thomas. He's following this teacher. Greatest compliment I ever received in my life ever was when somebody said, you know, Pastor Joe, I love listening to you because you have a way of breaking it all the way down to stupid. And I'm not going to lie, at first I had to stop and think, what are you saying? <laughs> are you saying I'm stupid? <laughs> they said, no, I can understand it. And then I remember, it's like, when I was in Bible college, one of the first things that, that was taught to me was the understanding that, listen, you've got to take the gospel of Jesus Christ and you've got to pack it so that as Jesus said... Even a child, you've got to trust the way a child trusts. Have faith the way a child has faith in, the, in this book, in this man, in this, this Savior that died for us. And I remember one of my, my professors saying, listen, when you start preaching, you preach at a seventh grade level. I'm not making any statements about your intelligence. You preach at a seventh grade level so that anybody can reach up to it and anybody can reach down to it and it's accessible to absolutely everybody. Well, what he didn't know was that's just my level, man. That's just where I am. I'm not the smartest guy, you know, guy in the crown box. I'm not the, I'm, you know, the brightest guy in the crown See, I can't even get the metaphors right. It's like, I'm not the brightest one. I get that. But I will tell you this. I wasn't raised in a Christian home, and I came to get introduced to this God. And when I began to chase after him, my world got turned upside down. And incredible things began to happen, not just between me and God and the Holy Spirit, but be things began to happen in church settings. People began to get set free. Miracle type things started happening. I would like to see them happen more and more. We'll talk about that in the weeks to come. But wow, isn't that amazing? Jesus had the way of making it simple. Simple. It means easy to understand, easy to deal with, easy to use, etc. It means not elaborate or artificial, but plain. It means not ornate or luxur luxurious, but unadorned. It means unaffected, unassuming, and modest. Thomas walked with this guy. He walked with the guy that had offended the government to their faces, performed miracles, healing people of blindness, deafness, crippled um, diseases like leprosy, many different forms of skin disease, but certainly leprosy as well. Healing people from bleeding. He was raising the dead back to life, casting out demons from people that were very violent, possessed, and murderous. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Thomas was there for most all of it, and he still folded his hands and said, nah. Nah. If he doesn't show up right here for me, not going to happen. I know people that will leave ch um, churches based upon that. I know people that will walk away from a supposed relationship with Jesus because of that. Because they'll say, well, if Jesus doesn't do this for me, I'm walking. Or they'll say, well, I can't, I can't follow a God that does this because, whoa, whoa, he's God. You don't get to formulate him and, and turn him into something and say, now there's a God I can follow. No, 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 no. He is God. He created you. He is the center of the universe. We follow him because he loved us. But sooner or later, we have to believe in something. 
And I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not a Big Bang Theory guy. I mean, I like to watch the show, but I'm not a Big Bang Theory guy. You know, when somebody says to me, well, pastor, I, 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 mean, I, I sit with guys, you know, and have coffee on a regular basis. And I'm like, well, you know, that's not where I am. It's like, well, where are you? Big Bang, you know, a couple of, so you want me to believe that two particles that existed separate from each other and, and any, there was nothing else in the universe got to moving at some kind of million miles per hour and crashed into each other and boom, that explosion created some kind of energy that created more particles that just decided, hey, we're going to be monkeys or we're going to be fish or we're going to be birds. You want me to believe that? They're like, well, yeah, kind of. And it's like, where'd your particles come from? Well, uh, uh, they just were there. It takes more faith to believe in that than it does to believe in a, a, a creator. It does. And I, I'll tell you what, I have three eyewitness accounts, Matthew, Mark, and John. They were there. I'll take my eyewitness accounts over somebody's pretend scientific um, philosophies and theologies any time at all. And I included theology because it's a study of God and they're saying there's no God, so that's what it's about. Yeah, you, you want me to trade eyewitness accounts for you saying, well, I don't think I can figure out how it happened, so it couldn't have happened. <laughs> well, I know that about you, and I probably wouldn't follow you. <laughs> it's like, yeah, what about that? So that's what we have, three eyewitness accounts. And I love what John says in the book of 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Capital W means Jesus. The life appeared, we have seen it, testified to it, we proclaim it to you, the eternal life, which was with the Father and has now appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen it and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. And what he's saying is, I'm just telling you right now, I walked with him, and the only reason I'm writing this to you, and you can tell me I'm foolish, and you can fold your hands and say, I don't believe it. But he's saying, I'm writing to this to you because I was there. I was there. That's what he said. All the things that he writes, he writes so that you can believe his testimony. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's what we're looking at. But sooner or later, uh, uh, your belief is a choice and you have to make a choice because it affects your eternity. So the question is, number two, do you believe? Do you believe? Book of Romans chapter 10 says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For this is with your heart that you believe and are justified and with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So we look at this scripture and we understand that the idea of believe, believe, this is what believe means. Believe means change as much as faith means risk. You take, you take things, you, you wrestle with things through your faith all the time. Want me to give you an example? How many of you, when you walked into this room, let me just get overly simplistic. Remember, I'm that guy, okay? How many of you grabbed that chair, turned it upside down, and made sure that the welds were good, that the plastic was snapped on or screwed on before you sat your tuchus down in it? Not a one of you. You, by faith, 
walked into this room, told your family where to sit, and plopped your little self right down. And you might have, like if, like, if you and your wife are going at it, or if one of the kids is going sideways today, you might have sat down pretty hard <clears throat> on that chair. Man, you put a lot of faith with your attitude on that thing right there you're sitting on. And you didn't have a problem with it, did you? You didn't ask me how it was made. You didn't ask me who made it. You didn't ask me, was there a design for the chair? You just came in and took for granted the chair. I have faith in the chair. <laughs> Sat right down. Yeah. And then you got up and worshiped. And then you had all the faith in the world that nobody moved that chair. You didn't even look back to see if it was there. You just went <laughs> right there. Didn't you? Isn't that the craziest thing? Isn't that nuts? How we say, oh, I'm sorry if I can't understand God as God myself because I'm so smart. If I can't understand how God did it, then he couldn't have done it. But you didn't ask anybody how the chair was made. And you didn't care who made it. Do you believe? When we believe in or on something, it affects our actions. Otherwise, it's academic knowledge. And that's all it is. Yes, that chair is supposed to hold up my weight. Academic knowledge. That chair, four of those chairs, will hold up a 2006 Hummer H3. Actually, they'll hold up an, a Hummer H2. They really will. Honest to goodness. The chair manufacturer did it. They lifted up an H2 and set it on four chairs. So I just want you to know that you can trust it when you come in here. Okay? Look back when you're done worshiping, but you can trust that we put the chair there that will hold you. You see, so you don't have to worry about it. That's academic understanding. Faith is when you sit in it without thinking about it. You just do it. When we believe in something, it affects our, our actions and it affects our value system. For instance, I was in my office this morning, and I love when my granddaughters and my grandchildren, my grandson as well, show up early, and they come into my office, and they're like, Grandpa, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing, Grandpa? I'm like, I'm, I'm doing something really super spiritual and holy. You should watch me a little bit, you know, so, but they don't. They act like little children. But I showed her this car, and she said, oh, that's nice. What's that? I said, that's a Corvette. And she said, that's a Corvette. I said, it's an old one. Um, I said, would you give $2.45 million for that car? She said, No. I said, really? Me either. <laughs> and I like them. But no, I'll give you about five grand for it. Maybe 10 or 15, I don't know. You know, it's an old car. And I, but she's not going to give me $2.45 million. And yet that's what it sold for at auction. $2.45 million. And this is why. Why is it so special? Because there were only 20 of those made with the optional L88 upgrade package, which included a 427 cubic inch 7 liter V8 engine with reinforced cast iron block, a tough ridge forged seal crank connecting rods, and 12.5 to 1 forged aluminum pistons. And except for two guys in this room right now that I can see, the rest of you are like, what? And you two guys are like, yeah, I got that. I got that. Yeah. Well, I just want you to know I don't care about all that. I really don't. I mean, the size of the engine is pretty good, but I don't care. What makes that worth $2.45 million is that it was one of 20. Well, then why is that worth $2.5 million? And this is the part that's important, important to me. Because it's yellow. 
I'm not lying. That's why. Because only one of the 20 was sunrise yellow. The rest of them were a combination of two or three colors, you know, red, blue, white, and black. And that guy said, I want mine to be sunrise yellow. It's the only one that's sunrise yellow. I still wouldn't give you $2.5 million for it. I say all of that just to tell you this. Something is only as valuable as what somebody will pay for it. If everybody gets together in, in, the, in the Corvette world and says, yeah, we'll give you 10 grand for that thing, and nobody ever offers anybody more than $10,000, regardless of how old or how rare it is, then pretty soon the price of Corvettes will fall out the bottom. They won't be worth anything because they're not valuable. And I only say that not to sell you on automobiles, but to say this to you. If something is only as valuable as what's willing to be paid for it, when, when uh, the hammer dropped on Good Friday afternoon, the price for your soul was the Son of God. Can you imagine God is at the Meacham, Meacham auto auction or people auction and you're there and you come through the line and you're like, you know, and you come in and the bidding starts and God's there and he starts, you know, I'm going to give you a couple of sheep. I'm going to give you a couple of bulls. I'm going to give you a couple of bulls, sheep, goats, and maybe I'm going to throw in a couple of doves. I'm going to give you some gold. I'm going to give you some sheep. I'm going to give you some frankincense and myrrh. I'm going to give you some, and, and the price just keeps going. Finally, God says, wow, I will give you my son. Hey, guess what? Nobody in all of eternity has more than that. He gave you everything for your soul. That's how valuable you are. And that's how precious the price that he paid for you is. Wow. What about that? When the hammer dropped on Good Friday, the price was his soul. Or his body. I believe that there was a party going on in hell. I believe that hell was like, we've extinguished the sun. Yeah! I believe hell was like, we've stopped the prophecies. I believe hell was like, we've extended the war. We might still take the throne. But they forgot. They forgot about Sunday. <laughs> See, that was Wednesday night. We can talk about that. But they forgot about Sunday. Believing before seeing is called faith. And Thomas had to deal with that. Faith in the vineyard is spelled R-I-S-K. You ever bought something online? Let me bring this thing to a close. You ever bought something online? You ever sent some money to somebody you've never met before, never seen before, never laid eyes on before, never shook their hand before, but you just sent them a whole lot of money? I mean, you want to talk about faith. My wife and I, uh, when she graduated with her PhD and she started teaching, she got a full-time job for one year. It was, she was just filling in and wrapping something up, but she got it. It was our 25th wedding anniversary, and we're like, hey, we don't live on your income. Let's go to Australia. And I love that she's like, yes, let's do that. I said, okay, we got to figure this out. We're going to go to Australia. I've always wanted to go to Australia for our 25th wedding anniversary. We're going to go to Australia. We sent a, a soccer mom in southern Virginia, thousands of dollars for our trip to Australia. Never met the woman before, never shook the, the woman's hand, never um, talked to the woman. We just sent her thousands of the. I don't know if her name was Grigori and she was from the Ukraine and she was just running a scam, but I sent her a chunk of money. That's faith. 
And guess what I didn't do? I didn't say, well, I don't know. You know, I got to, can you just like Skype me? Can you Skype me? I need to see if you're really you. Um, how are you going to do this? I want to know every detail of how you're going to do it. Um, you got to tell me how you're going to do this because if I can't figure it out, you can't figure it out either. Yeah, we do that all the time and I know that I'm not the only one. Man, I asked that question. Have you ever bought something online um, in the first service and somebody over here started going, oh, 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 oh. I know he got ripped off. <laughs> he gave himself away. But we've been there, haven't we? Man, we bought something online and we got it. We had a great time in Australia. But I'm telling you what, we got to like three weeks out, four weeks out from our trip and we were like, well, we haven't gotten anything in the mail yet. We didn't get the coupons for lunch. We didn't get the coupons for the hotel. We didn't get the tickets for the airplane. We didn't get anything yet. And, and we planned this like four, five, six months ahead of time. And we paid our money and she had all of our money. And we knew where she lived if what she told us was true. But I'd never laid eyes on her. I, in faith, sent her thousands of dollars. And it said, send me to Australia. So why is it we have a, such a hard time saying, you know what, God? I believe. Help my unbelief. Because I want to spend eternity in heaven. I don't have to know how you're going to do it. I thank you that you told me the story of the cross. I don't know how you raised Jesus from the dead. I don't know how you put life back into him. My mind can't comprehend the works of God. But it doesn't mean I can't put my faith in him because that's a choice. Believing is a choice. I choose to believe that that book is real. I, I choose to believe that if I can't figure it out, it's not the book. It's me. It's me. I don't have to listen to this world and the science of this world. Think about the things that you've never seen. Your brain. I know they can pull it out and show it to you, you know, before you pass away, but the wind. You've only seen the effects of the wind. Love. You've seen the effects of love, but you haven't seen it. And yet, you put your faith in it wholeheartedly. At some point, we have to decide that we're going to believe. And today I want to encourage you to choose to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I don't want you to just believe. I want you to choose that in the ridiculousness of the whole story that you can't quite wrap your head around that you're going to surrender to God and say, you know what? You died on that cross for me. And I know sometimes, God, I screw it up. But today I'm asking for your forgiveness. And then get back up and say, what do you want from me now? Don't get up and say, God, you got to step and fetch it for me. Get up and say, God, what do you want from me now? What can I do for the kingdom of God with the gifts, the family, the resources, the job, the careers, the mental acuity, whatever it is that you've got? What can you do? Because I don't have to understand God to believe in God. I want you to hear the words of of Paul as he writes to his spiritual son Timothy when he says reflect on what I'm saying Timothy for the Lord will give you insight to all this remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead did you notice he didn't say remember Jesus Christ crucified for your sins he said remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead it's important that Jesus was crucified for our sins so that our sins are gone they are no more 
But if that's all that, they, that happened, then we are the worst of the lot. But it's not. God raised him from the dead, and so therefore we have a story. We have a message. We have a hope. We're done with this world. When the trumpet blows. Let's don't get too done too fast. But yes, I understand. Blow that trumpet, Lord. I'm ready to come home. The question is, are you ready to come home? Not do you believe like do you recognize. Do you believe like do you follow the teachings of Jesus the Christ? Not 613 commandments of Jewish life in the Old Testament. Two commandments in the new one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Those two. That sums up the law and the prophets for you and I as Gentiles. That's our walk with God. Do you believe? These people are up here because they would love to pray with you. They would absolutely love to pray with you. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, they would love to pray with you. If it's Easter and you're back in church and you would like to reconnect with God, they would love to pray with you. If you're facing a surgery, if you need a healing, if you're struggling with a relationship that's gone south, if you just need the hand of God to touch you, that's what Easter was all about. God wants to touch your life. And I want to invite you into it. I'm going to pray. We're going to go into a closing song. These prayer people are going to stay up here. And while we're singing that song, you can come up here. And listen, this is not the time to be proud. This is the time to say, yeah, count me into that. I need some prayer. I need that prayer. That's what this day's about. Come on now. The tomb was empty. I need some of that power for healing. I need some of that power for my attitude. I need that power for my greed and my gossip and my, oh yeah, big sins too. But how about this little stuff we wrestle with? Come on. We all need Jesus. Joe Wood needs Jesus. We all do. So you can come up here and get your fair share of Easter Jesus. Raised from the dead Jesus. Seated on the throne, interceding on your behalf, Jesus. Loves you to death, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, we thank you for Easter. We thank you for the blessing of what it is that you're doing. We thank you for the way you've moved here today, already in the first service and even in this service, God. The way you're beginning to stir people's hearts and say, what if? What if it's true? What if we can take Jesus at his word? What if Jesus really meant it? God, I, I, I stand before you and I cry out for them, but I cry out for me, God. I believe, but Lord, I am crying and saying, help my unbelief. And when I ask you, Lord, change my actions to fit your person and your call and your mission and your kingdom on this earth. Forgive us for our sins, O oh Lord God, but remind us that we have the power and give us a heart that seeks after God with all of our heart that we might lay hold of the things of the kingdom of heaven and share them with people around us. Forgive us our humanity, O oh Lord God, and touch our lives today. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen.